Welcome to Public Safety Talk Radio, the podcast for all of our heroes in public safety, including law enforcement professionals, firefighters, EMTs, corrections officers, healthcare workers, and more. The show is produced by the POCUA and is founded upon its soundness initiative. This episode is sponsored by the Finest Service Organization, a provider of line of duty death loan protection through many of our POCUA institutions. Welcome to part two of Two Feet on the Ground. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, from your your wisdom of you know having gone through you know anxiety, PTSD, and worked through a lot of those things and continue. Um, you know, I know from some of my own experience that's a journey that you have until you're in the grave, uh, in one way, shape, or form. And you know, having some expertise in, in helping others. As an outsider, it seems to me um, in the public safety arena, especially law enforcement, um, that things have begun to change in a positive way over the last few years. Um, what you said a few minutes ago is not lost on me. I've heard this, I've done other shows, and I've heard this you know, for, for many, many years that thought of, well, I can't be not okay because I'll lose my job, I'll lose my badge, I'll lose my respect uh, among my colleagues. And fortunately, while that, you know, it certainly isn't perfect today from what I'm hearing, uh, it's definitely better in this that it's okay to not be okay. And let's get you some help. Have you noticed that as well in the law enforcement community? I mean, it's not every department, it's not every area of the country, but what I'm hearing is that it's like, all right, you know, if you're not okay, that is okay, but let's get you some help. Yeah. Yeah. I see just a lot of remarkable organizations out there trying to change the culture. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I talk to, you know, I teach a leadership course uh, for the state of Washington. And sometimes in that le leadership course, one of the blocks of instruction in the leadership courses is, is employee wellness. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I listen to folks from really small agencies re be really frustrated. We don't have peer support. We don't have these officer wellness things going on. I'm like, hey, be frustrated just enough to figure out what you're going to do to impact change. But but look at our history. Look at our history. There's a, a great book out there. It's called Cop Shock. And mm. I think K Kate's might be the author of it. And he talks about these, these uh, robbery squad uh, detectives in New York City, if I remember correctly, like 60s, 70s. And uh, they would get involved in a, in a use of force. They would be forced to kill the suspect because the suspect was robbing mm -hmm. the store with a gun and didn't drop the gun when they came out and said, you know, drop the gun. And their bosses would show up and say, well, get this investigated and get back out there on the street. There's more calls to handle. Mm -hmm. And so they, from a public standpoint, that's not good, right? The, the investigator, the officer that used force that, that killed another person is, is investigating their, themselves. From a psychological standpoint for that officer, that's not good. Uh, we don't want our officers having to be involved in that type of stuff. And so when we look at our history and then look at where we're at today, we've come a long way. Now, mm -hmm. we can't stop because the, to change culture, we have to keep at this. And me saying it's okay to not be okay is one thing. You or, or a listener at their individual agency, whether it be a firefighter, paramedic, police officer, whoever, raising their hand and saying, hey, I'm not doing good. I need to go talk to a doc. I need to go talk to a counselor. Mm -hmm. 
their administration supporting them in that process, that's what's going to change culture. Otherwise, it's just lip service. Otherwise, all we're doing is just uh, making people feel safe enough for us to stab them in the back. No, it's, you know, you you raise your hand, we're going to, we're going to send you places. And there's all kinds, I'm I'm wearing a hat of one of them right now, uh, Warrior's Heart. It's the only uh, first responder military only uh, in residency mental health facility that I know of in the United States. There's, there's, there are some mm-hmm. that also serve the first responder communities and do great work. We have one here in the Pacific Northwest, but, but Warrior's Heart is the only one that I know of that only serves that community. And the, the fact that those type of things have come about, the fact that we're leveraging technology, you don't have peer support at your organization, mm-hmm. that's okay. There's hotlines with peer support. There's, there's virtual meeting places where you can meet with a peer. Uh, there's a lot of organizations out there that are leaning into this space with the heart and the intent of we want to help military, we want to help first responders heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, we, we do have to change culture. Um, I think as an outsider that that's happening slowly, um, but is happening. I think also, and um, I'll, I'll get your take on this. You know, number number one, I've said this a number of times on on the show. I'll get in a serious mode for a minute, which I don't like to stay in too long because you know that's no fun. But to get back <laughs> in a serious mode, uh, one of our partners in the POCUA is uh, an organization called Serve and Protect. It's a twenty four seven hotline for first responders, uh, medical yeah. professionals, so forth that just want to talk to somebody anonymously. Um, and, you know, you mentioned Air Force, a, a good friend and colleague of mine, Sean Douglas, was in the Air Force, and he's a suicide survivor, um, was sitting there with a bottle of Jack Daniels and a loaded firearm and decided to make a different choice and reached out to somebody. Um, and that's his. I've never tried to commit suicide, but he did. And, and that's his advice to anybody, which is reach out to somebody. Um, and I completely understand. I'm not ignorant to the fact that maybe that first call, you know, isn't, you know, to your spouse, isn't to your best friend, you know, isn't to your commanding officer. Maybe that first, that, that first call is to a stranger, uh, but to a stranger with, with empathy and some training. Um, so whether it's serve and protect or another organization, um, I personally don't care which, but, you know, reach out sometimes, you know, reaching out to a stranger and just talking. And sometimes too, you know, you find, you know, you know, well, you're not screwed up and you know what, it's not that bad. You know, you don't need to be in a padded room, but you probably need, you know, just this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, you can get that. Um, but to, to get to an actual question, I think also there's a responsibility in, this culture, this zeitgeist, if you will, if it's okay to not be okay, and I've said this before, there's some personal responsibility to the individual that's not okay. Uh, It's also not okay to just say, hey, I'm not okay. And to sit there in it, you need to have some action, whether it is to reach out to somebody or it is to get therapy, or maybe it is to get your finances in order, you know, some type of action to, to sit in the answer and not in the problem. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because you obviously decided you're not okay and decided to do something about it. You took action to help yourself. Yeah. How important is that? Oh, it's, it's 100%. Yeah. It doesn't matter how remarkable the program, 
the counselor, the psychotherapist, none of that matters if you as a person aren't going to do the really, really hard work mm -hmm. to heal yourself. It, if I'm if I'm 100 pounds overweight and an alcoholic, uh, nobody can fix that for me. Mm -hmm. Someone can give me a program that helps me have accountability. Somebody can give me a new mindset, you know, a mantra or whatever that really takes traction and helps me stay motivated. All of those things are support functions. But me as a human being, I have to step up and do the hard work. Nobody can go for a run with me. Mm -hmm. Nobody can sit there and say, you know what? I'm done with alcohol. I'm going to pour this out and I'm done with it because it just isn't a good fit for my life anymore. We as human beings have to take action. I, I was a school resource officer at one of our uh, high schools for, for three and a half years. And I would tell students this all the time when it came to their grades, when it came to other life challenges they were facing, like nobody else is going to care. Like mm -hmm. I care about you. And anytime you need me, come to my office, we can talk and I'll talk you through this. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, if you're behind on schoolwork and you have 10 missing assignments, you have to go to the teacher. You have to ask the teacher, is there something I can do about this? Can I get caught up? Can I get after school tutoring? Mm -hmm. No one else is going to care. That's the reality of our world, folks. No one's going to sit there and hold your hand through this. We do that sometimes in some of the systems I feel like we have in America right now. We hold people's hand. Unfortunately, once they get out of our public school systems and they're out there in the big boy world, mm -hmm. right? They're, it's it's unforgiving. It is unforgiving. You have to make decisions in your life mm -hmm. that I have this goal. I'm going to work towards it. Now, absolutely take advantage of the amazing human beings that are around you. Take advantage of mentors, take advantage of teachers, take advantage of great leaders that are willing to coach you up and, and, and empower you to do your job more effectively. But when it comes to, I think everything, and in this case, when it comes to healing our brains, if, if we're not doing okay, it's going to be a lot of hard work. There's no magic pill. Yeah. There's no magic uh, program. All of the pills and programs that do work, it only works because of the super hard work that people do every single day. Now a word from one of the POCUA's proud business partners, OfficerPrivacy.com. OfficerPrivacy.com was founded by Pete James, a law enforcement professional with over 25 years of experience. Pete wanted to find a way to help law enforcement officers protect themselves and their families. So he formed a team to create a way to quickly identify and remove their information from certain sites. Officerprivacy.com is the result. This service is already offered through a select few of our POCUA organizations. As a listener of Public Safety Talk Radio, you can take advantage of a special offer from officerprivacy.com. Go to officerprivacy.com slash POCUA, and when you sign up, you'll get two additional bonuses. In addition to removing your personal information from the top 30 people search sites, they will give you your first two months of monitoring free. This is a value of $39.98. In addition to that, you'll receive a cell phone privacy device, a $19.99 value. This prevents data from leaving your cell phone when you use public charging stations and is a must when traveling. So go to officerprivacy.com slash POCUA today to take advantage of this offer and to protect your privacy. Organizations who are members of the POCUA and are interested in offering the service directly to their members, contact us at POCUA at btcinc.org.
Yeah, and I think, too, I've said this on the show before, and I think it's important to repeat because if somebody missed that show, maybe they get this particular show and it, and it helps one person is, you know, I suffered as a, as an alcoholic for years and hit a lot of different things from a lot of people close to me. And one of the, especially the last year, 18 months before everything came out and I decided to make a change was this fear of, you know, I'm going to look weak. You know, everybody is going to say, look at this piece of crap. You know, I'm going to lose all my family, all my friends, all my clients, all my colleagues. And that was not the case. Um, and I see this, unfortunately. I, I've seen this personally within my family, ex-military, being so proud that they won't admit that they have an issue. I've seen this with first responders personally, that that is the last brick wall to getting some help. And I could tell you, at least from my experience, nobody left. You know, I'm still married to, to the same wife. You know, I st my family still talks to me. All my friends talk to me. Yeah, nobody has left my life. Um, and everybody has either been in one bucket or another, either, frankly, just an apathetic bucket. It says, all right, you're not drinking anymore. All right, whatever, good for you. You know, and they just go on with their life. They don't care that I have a problem. Uh, and then there's this other bucket where they're like, wow, you know, that's really cool. You know, that's really, really strong of you to admit that you needed that help. And those people rally around you. So if that's the fear, you're going to have a lot of people that will literally rally around you. And frankly, the people that don't rally, you know, are just going to be kind of apathetic. They're not going to care <laughs> one way or another. It's not going to be a negative. I don't know if you found that or not, but I, I always love sharing that, that story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what? When I... One of the things I think I said a while back was that um, I wasn't setting boundaries in my life. That was one of the lessons I had to learn as I went through post-traumatic stress. And uh, I, I was a little afraid that as I quit things, as I drew these boundaries and said, hey, I don't have the time capacity or the, or the mental capacity to do this, this volunteer work anymore, these extra assignments at work, I was afraid that, that I was going to lose whether it be friendships, whether it be trust with people, definitely relationships, and not a single person. Um, I didn't lose a single relationship. In some cases, I didn't spend time with those people anymore for a while because we just weren't running in the same circle anymore. Right. But when I see them at the grocery store, we give hugs. We, you know what I'm saying? It's like, hey man, how you doing? We catch yeah. up. So uh, no, that's huge. I think in life is uh, a lot of the, the self-talk that we have going on in our minds. I can speak from my perspective. The self-talk that I have going on in my head, uh, it defaults to the negative. It defaults mm -hmm. to the to the lies, telling myself I'm a piece of garbage, I'm not any good. And, and so I have to lean into exercising gratitude. I have to lean into putting the light on the thoughts that I do have and asking myself, is this a really true thought? And I not only about myself, but about other people as well. Right? I can sit there and start thinking negatively about other people, but then when I stop myself and go, is this really true or are you just drawing some conclusions based on a little bit of information? And when I do that and, and, I, and I recognize it, it really changes my perception of other people yeah. and of myself. So, Yeah, agreed, agreed. Well, you know, I'm going to circle back uh, to 
the beginning of our conversation to something extremely important because you talked about the support that you got from the community um, over the last couple of years and in, in being a law enforcement professional and that they, you know, came by, you know, and filled up your gas tank and did other things. What was, in all seriousness, what was the best free thing that you ever got, Chris? Well, I want to clarify there. No, no one filled up my gas tank. No one filled up my gas tank. They would shake my hand and thank me. Yeah. I was filling up the police car's gas tank. The city's going to pay for that. They're yeah, good. exactly. They don't yeah, you already you already um, filling up the gas tank. You're paying taxes. <laughs> yeah. You know, the boy, it gets back to kids. The uh -huh. things that that when kids express gratitude towards us, uh, they do it in a really raw, unfiltered way. Mm. And and getting getting a free gift card is great. So, uh, you know, our agency has a rule against gratuities, but if they yeah. if they gift it to the city, mm -hmm. and the city kind of puts it, whether it be a food item that they put out in a public place or in a in a in a um, in a general location at the department where any employee can get get access to it, it's okay for the city to accept it. And the city's done the same thing with different restaurant gift cards and coffee gift cards. They accept mm -hmm. it. Our city manager's involved. I'm sure our council knows of it as well. And then they're able to distribute it, but that's fun. It's it's great getting free coffee. But yeah. here's the deal: I I can honestly afford my own coffee now. If someone <laughs> wants to buy, a, I've done it before. I've I've been outside of my community over in the Seattle area. Uh, they just lost an officer over there who'd been murdered, mm -hmm. and my wife and I were there, and it was like I saw a couple uh, sergeants from one of the county sheriff's office drinking drinking coffee. I'm like, I'm gonna go buy him a coffee card. My wife's like, Why are you doing that? I'm like, because I they don't know who I am. They don't know that another cop's doing this. And I just want them to feel the support of the community like I feel it in Eastern Washington. Yeah. Uh, so we did that, and and obviously I don't I don't even know who they are. Hopefully it blessed them that day. But it's it's that raw, unfiltered appreciation from the kids. The drawings they make us. There was there was a kid that wrote us. Um, I can't remember what year this was. Well, I'm gonna date it here in a second. He wrote <laughs> us a drawing, and it had it had police and firefighters on this drawing, and I think it had like the World Trade Centers. And it said, uh, police officers, thank you for killing Osama bin Laden. And I was like, I don't know that we get credit for that one. Yeah. I'm pretty, pretty sure that was one of the SEAL teams uh -huh. that went out and did that work. But I'm going to take it. I'm going to say you're welcome. <laughs> because for that young man, he's just recognizing the public servants that are helping keep the community safe. That that picture, right. again, how long ago was that now? Was that like 10? Oh, years 11? and years ago. Yeah, at least, uh, at least eight years ago, something like that. that. That is still framed and in our break room. Uh, <laughs> and just again, it's that raw, unfiltered, genuine appreciation that these kids are expressing to us uh, that that makes me feel like a million bucks. And actually, if I could add on to that, because as I'm Please. saying, that, I just thought of something else. Uh, the greater thing that the community has done for us here in my in my area is um, they have given us a very large amount of money for what's called our community care fund. So handful of years ago, maybe actually closer to like eight or nine now, uh, our chief started, uh, well, he asked some citizens to start a nonprofit that is separate of our police department. And the nonprofit um, funds, supports our unfunded needs, the things the city can't pay for, the nonprofit takes care of for us, whether it be training, whether it be equipment, a lot of different things. Well, somewhere in that process, one of our officers had gone out and bought a pair of shoes for a, a young man who had gotten hit in a in a in a DUI uh, vehicular assault mm -hmm. type of type of thing, 
And our chief learned of it. And he's like, here's the deal. I love that my officers are willing to use their own personal money to buy shoes for, for mm-hmm. people, but I don't want my officers to have to. Yeah. So, so he went to the foundation. He said, Hey, will you fund this? Will you have this community care fund that you receive donations from the community? Maybe you have to do your own fundraisers to support our officers. And, and they took it on. And I mean, we're talking, I don't even know if we're like at 50, 60, 70, maybe even a hundred thousand dollars that have been received from the community. And now anytime our officers see, see a need, they can meet the need. And mm-hmm. the reason I'm saying that this has been the greatest gift. Again, when I get a coffee card, it makes me feel kind of special. And then I drink warm, delicious beverage and life is good. I enjoy it. it makes me, you know, yeah. yes, we have support from the community, but it doesn't move me to crying. It doesn't move yeah. me to having that lump in my throat. The times that I have found someone who's homeless, I had a gal and her daughter that got involved in a collision and she's acting weird. I'm doing a collision investigation. And somewhere in the process, I pull her off to the side because something's up and I just don't know what's up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, what's going on here? I'm like, I'm smelling her breath, right? Like, is she drunk? Is that why she's acting weird? Mm-hmm. And she just kind of looks at me really, really kind of that ashamed look and goes, we're up from Texas. We're homeless right now. We're living out of our car. Me and my, I can't remember if it was a 10-year-old or 11-year-old daughter. And I was like, okay. And it's a Friday. And I'm like, you're not sleeping in your car tonight. So I call my boss and they follow the process. Hey, this is what I want to do. I want to mm-hmm. give these people a hotel room through the weekend, into the week, so we can try to connect them with the long-term community sure. services that we have. And boss signed off on it. Boss actually said, hey, put some money on the hotel room so they can get uh, money from the, from the restaurant that's mm-hmm. in the hotel as well. So that they don't have to worry about food. And so- uh, I tell the guy how this is what we're going to do. We're, you know, we're getting this hotel room. This isn't me. It's not my money. This is the community's money that they've entrusted mm-hmm. to me and the rest of our. So we go down there, we get her checked in. This woman looks at me and she's just, she's crying now. Right. And I got sunglasses on. I'm trying to do the. Yeah. The tough <laughs> You're thing. trying to be, but, trying to be the but, tough cop. Yeah. <laughs> I'm losing it. Right. I'm a dad of four daughters. Yeah. And, and the fact that I was the, the, I was just the instrument. I was just the, the conduit that connected this woman and her daughter with a safe place to sleep yeah. for the weekend. Uh, I'm going to remember that forever. I'm when, when I'm sitting around here in another 20 years talking about the, the old war stories, that's going to be one of my war stories is the time that mm. I was entrusted by our community to, to meet needs uh, that, that there was nothing else in our community that was going to meet that need other than their donation. So uh, just a special part of, of serving here in Eastern Washington. Yeah, that 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 is one of the top ten, possibly top five, but definitely top ten stories I've I've heard on public safety talk radio. And it's one of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons why I do this is you know, there are so many terrific stories. You know, for every one story you hear where you know first responder makes a mistake. Um, or unfortunately does something stupid, um, you've got 100, 200, you know, 300 stories that are like yours. Um, and instead of focusing on that one, um, I want more of these stories to come out. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of police officers, firefighters, you know, they, they do what they do for the right reasons, and they don't want the publicity on this. But I think, you know, for a lot of reasons, um, this is the time to, to to give some of that publicity to to those particular stories. So as we as we wrap up, 
Yeah, I, I want to ask, what's the number one thing? What's the number one takeaway you want listeners to take away from two feet on the ground? Um, boy. And you for the audience, I gave them the damn question before. This is and this I isn't, this isn't this isn't a freaking surprise. So yeah, I come practiced on, Chris. this with my wife last <laughs> night. I practiced it with my wife, but as we've talked. Now my brain is flooded with so many different right. thoughts. Here, here's what really what we're trying to get at. Yeah. And this is the core of the podcast is, is we got to stay grounded. Mm-hmm. We got to stay Politics, politicians are going to sit there and try to stir you up because they want you to make emotional responses to everything else that's happening in our community. And if you're a moderate Republican, you should be able to support a moderate Democrat yeah. and people not be like, we are not friends anymore. I am mm-hmm. unfriending you on Facebook tonight. Like, okay, unfriend me. I don't care. Like, seriously, <laughs> it, I believe in this person's thoughts. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't believe in their in all of their uh, all of their platform, but I believe in the logic, or I believe mm-hmm. in the foundations that they're making decisions from, and that's what I'm supporting. So that's that that's would be what it is. Is folks, we've been fighting over a lot of stuff over the last couple of years. Stop fighting. Start listening. Yeah. Start listening to people with curiosity, because I'm telling you, if you listen to people, my guess is you're going to find a lot of commonalities in them, which gets back to those foundations. We have a lot of foundations similar. We draw some different conclusions from our foundations and our experiences, but, but we have a lot of things in common. We're both human. We both want to have a living to support our family. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we both want to have positive relationships. So yeah, let's, let's start listening to each other and start, stop screaming at each other. Yeah, well, it's a great answer, Chris, whether it's the one you practiced or the one that came off the cuff, because I know it, it came from your mind and in your heart. How can people find your great podcast, Two Feet on the Ground? Yeah, we're pretty much on all uh, major podcast platforms on YouTube. Uh, we originally, it was titled The Gravity Podcast, but there were mm-hmm. so many of those that we didn't show up in the search engines. So we used our motto, the second piece of it. Uh, kind of on the front end now. So if you search two feet on the ground gravity podcast, that's an easy way, or you can go to uh, gravityct.com mm-hmm. forward slash podcast for our website. Perfect. Well, definitely go out and check that podcast. If you even listen to one podcast episode in your whole life and you want to listen to another podcast, uh, listen to Two Feet on the Ground Gravity Podcast. Um, Might want to also listen to Public Safety Talk Radio because you're obviously listening to this one if you know. Uh, But Chris, thank you so much. I had so much fun in a, a really insightful conversation with you this morning. You're welcome. Thanks, Ken. It's been a privilege. And thank you to all of you who have either watched or listened to this episode of Public Safety Talk Radio. And we'll be back with you next week with another great guest. Public Safety Talk Radio is produced by the POCUA. POCUA is a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. To learn more about our association and to find one of our credit needs or service providers near you, go to www.policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't working with one of our POCUA credit unions, you're just banking with an institution that just so happens to serve first responders. As a public safety professional, you and your family deserve better. Find a POCUA credit union today. Thank you.